Hello and welcome to the Rural Compass podcast. This podcast shares stories, advice and connects female ruralpreneurs across Australia. You will hear from women who have already tread the path as well as experts in their fields who will offer advice, tips and tools to help you run your business. In case we haven't met, my name's Samantha Murant and I'm your host. I'm a rural business coach who helps rural women to build businesses they love no matter their location. I live in Outback Australia, but this has not stopped me from creating two successful businesses and I truly believe that in today's digital age, living rurally or remotely should not hinder your chance to be seen and be successful. I believe it is possible for rural women in business to communicate and connect with their audience through digital and content marketing to create a loyal community of followers that convert to paying customers or clients. I help women do this through my four-week online course, The Rural Biz Roadmap, The Compass Society, which is a virtual co-working membership for rural women, one-on-one coaching, and my marketing health check packages, and of course, this podcast. I am also a mother of two young children and a wife, and I understand the daily juggle that comes with running a business, a household, and a family. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, so let's jump into the episode. Hi, Harriet. I am so excited to have you on the Rural Compass podcast. Thank you for joining me. And first up, I'd love if you could please tell us who you are and what it is you do. Hi, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I'm a sales coach and consultant uh, working with service-based businesses. And I specialized in ICT and cybersecurity for the last 15 years and then jumped in to launch my business uh, about 18 months ago and have been working with businesses all around the world ever since. Amazing. So that's really interesting, that background. So are you able to tell us a little bit of, about your journey and how that led to being a sales coach? Yeah, sure. Um, so I always wanted to be an events organizer. That was my dream as a as a teenager growing up. That's what I wanted to do. And I, I managed to get into the industry, which was actually much harder than I ever anticipated and got into it and realized this wasn't really fulfilling with what I wanted to do. So I went to go and work for a hosting company, so data center um, company in the UK and started working with them on their in-house events. So doing something a little bit more unique, think Google, think hiring at cinemas, that sort of thing. And um, after doing that for a few months, um, the CEO was like, I really need you to run a sales team and I need you to onboard people and get people running. I was like, I'm not doing sales, but I will do, um, I'll onboard people, no problem. And so as time went on, I took on more and more responsibility and got closer and closer to sales, started actually doing sales for the business and um, realized that I was actually really good at it um, and, then, <laughs> and then had to then take on a team. So I started with a team of 20 um, and then we took on people because the company was going quite rapidly. So we took on maybe about, I think it was like 10 to 20 people a week. And, um, and then push them through either into a sales role, outbounding or into an account management role. So that was really where my sales journey started. Um, and it was just really from a vision that the CEO had for me, I think, um, for a few years before I actually jumped into it. But I never looked back and I've been progressing forward with really being owning the sales role um, ever since that. So that was about 15 years ago. Um, and now I want to help more businesses unlock their potential with sales and be able to then help more people in what they're doing and fulfill their purposes. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I'm really excited to be chatting to you about today is 
sort of the business, the mistakes that businesses make when they are coming, when it comes to selling. And I feel like the word sales can almost be seen as a swear word. You know, it's like this really, oh, sales, it makes you cringe. Um, So having you on here today to clear it up and steer us in the right direction is so very exciting. (laughs) Um, So what do you find, you know, with with businesses and with service-based businesses, what are the biggest mistakes that you see them making when it comes to selling? Um, now, there are, there are a couple of, of mistakes that I see more regularly, and generally it comes down to not having a sales process is number one, and um, because again, we, you know, we come into business with an idea or with an outcome that we're trying to drive, and it's usually built from something we've learned or something we've found that we're really good at. And then we go into business and we worry about accounts and we worry about how we're going to go to market, so that marketing strategy but really too often sales is, is left behind and quite far behind. And so people get into business and they have, you know, they kick off and they do really well to begin with. And then that starts to peter off because they've got the marketing, but they're not really focusing on how do they convert the leads that come into them as a business into paying clients and keep that business growing. So I think, so number one is going to be the sales process and not and the lack of a process or a strategy around sales um, and not mistaking that actually sales and marketing are two very different streams that you need to think about within your business. And secondly, once we, are, once we have a, a strategy is that actually knowing what it is that we can offer, being able to articulate that in a qualification conversation. So if we know what it is that we want to sell, and we know how we can help people, we have to unlock the opportunities within potential clients that have either come to us through marketing or that we're reaching out to. And so I'll elaborate a little bit on that when it comes to qualification, because if you're already following me or if you've been reading a lot of the content that I share, I talk about qualification all the time, because for me, this is the biggest gap. And so qualification just means understanding what the client or potential client really needs, wants, and what outcomes they're looking for, what pain points they've currently got, so that you can work out how you can solve them. Because when we don't know what somebody actually needs or wants or has a problem with, it's really hard to pitch our offering without feeling salesy. And more than often than not, we actually don't sound salesy, we just think we do. And so if we can qualify and get the customer or potential customer to actually tell us what their problems are and what they really need, we can then start matching that with outcomes and with products or services that we offer and sharing how we've helped others do something similar and then therefore it becomes a problem solving exercise as opposed to a sales exercise so that's really for me the biggest areas is the strategy and then the qualification amazing and I think it's so true you know we often um when we put things up online everyone sort of steers away from going buy this or you know in a more non-salesy yeah. way but you know like it, it it's like this real um there's this real block for a lot of people and especially online because it's like you don't want to be seen as selling 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 um do you I know there's the statistic is it um it takes about seven to ten times for people to ten times for people to see something to actually want to buy it is that the right statistic Yes, I believe so. Um, I think it's I think it's anywhere between six and twelve. Um, yeah. So that and that usually comes from just awareness. So that I would say that's probably more of a marketing statistic, and um, yeah. where people are then they need to see your brand or see your products to then actually think that that's something that I want or something that I need. And so, with 
you know, for online businesses. So something that um, I, I find with my clients is, you know, even just something as small as putting a call to action at the end of a, a post that they're putting up on, on social media. What's your top tip for an online business um, to sort of be promoting that, their sales, but without being sort of salesy and <laughs> sleazy? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think exactly as you've said with regards to that call to action at the end of a post or at the end of a story um, will really help. But looking at, I mean, I'm sort of diving in really to marketing a little bit here with regards to that engagement, entertainment um, and education through marketing. And so when we're afraid to ask for the sale or call to action around swipe up to find more or contact me to find more, is that often one of the other tactics I find works really well is actually to share stories of where your existing clients have seen success. And so that could be through a video, if you can get them on a video to talk to you about how um, your product or service has helped and um, sharing those reviews because all too often we, we're so um, aware of what's out there because there's so much available through social media. And there's, you know, if you want a necklace, there's thousands, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of options you want to go to go and find something where that can be, um, sorry, where that, where that can be purchased. And so if we are wanting to stand out from the rest, we really want to show the your product service being used and so by using that in a story by sharing that review or showing photos or videos of where your product or service is in action and also thinking about outcomes because a lot of the time we see a service and it could be if we if we use sales and um, coaching or sales consulting as an example is that okay that all sounds great yes I'm sure they're going to give me the answers but what does my business look like after I have used a sales coach or sales consultant and so that's what I will focus more on when I'm talking to potential clients or sharing information and making sure they're on the right platforms as well. Because I find that a lot of the clients that I'm reaching out to, and this is how I've grown multiple businesses, has been through LinkedIn and not so much through social media. And so I'm fairly newish to social media where I've actually been active on social media and sharing content on social media because now I want to reach the small to medium businesses and really help them in leveraging um, their skill set and what it is that they can offer and who they can help whereas through LinkedIn it's always been with regards to the medium to enterprise businesses so it's also looking at who you're targeting and who you can reach on that platform and then sharing relevant information and relevant outcomes to entice your followers depending on what platform you're on. That is, yeah, I love that so much. And it's like you were saying before, you know, having a separate plan for and a separate strategy for marketing and sales, but they kind of, um, it's like they're best friends, <laughs> really. Oh, like, you are. know, they go hand in hand, um, but it's it's having a different approach for each one and, and being aware that they, they are separate and just how to approach them, I think is, um, is really important, like you were saying. Um, and so what would you suggest a business to focus on first if they're looking to improve their sales results? Um, first off, have a sales process. And so that can feel quite daunting if you're like, okay, great, what shall I do first? And I'm like, sales process. And, you know, questioning about what does that mean and what, what needs to be included in a sales process. But really understanding what do you do when somebody inquires or what do you do when somebody says, yes, I'll meet you or yes, I would like a quote. And so identifying those steps. Now, it's just looking within. So looking at what do you do currently? Do you respond via an email? Do you call them? 
Um, how do you how do you provide a quote or how do you provide your pricing? What's that journey look like? And when they get to the point of saying yes to purchasing your offer, how does that look? What how does that look for them? So what journey are they going to go on once they've said yes? And so understanding that journey will really allow you to educate your customer when they first come to you for that um, inquiry stage, for example, and knowing then what comes next. Because all too often, clients want a price. They just want to know how much it is. They don't really care what's included and how you're going to get there. They just like, how much is it? Because they're going to qualify based on price. And so if we can take it back a notch and say, well, look, I actually can't give you a price at the moment. This is what we need to go. This is what this is. These are the steps that we need to go through first. Then it then gives the client an awareness of the journey that they're going to go on at that point. And so for me, I always think if you if you need if you want to start in looking at sales and you've not done so before in your business, looking at your process is going to be really key. So what are you currently doing? And are there any gaps in that process? Because also once you've written it out, you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not following up or I haven't, um, I don't actually know how I send out a quote or what the follow-up process is from a quote or how do I convert that quote into a, um, into a paying client and what journey does that look like? So first off by outlining all of that and then looking, my second, I'm going to give you two, Samantha. <laughs> so looking then at the second one is then looking at how, when you've, when you've had a client that hasn't gone ahead, so when you've lost a lead, what information could you have done with that would have helped you close that opportunity? So what information could you have done with to know how to actually get that client from an inquiry level into a closed client? And so those types of questions come around usually from what is the budget or how is the budget being set? or who is the, is the decision maker in this project or for this, for this requirement. Now, these are all business to business related questions, but the same can happen from a consumer level is that, you know, if you're looking, if you're selling a product or service, is that what else are they looking at? You know, is there a, do they have a timeframe of when they want to purchase this? And that's opportunities come up when you can have that consultative conversation. I that's awesome and so on that too like I think um service-based business they don't know whether to put their prices on their website but to sort of basically be a pre-qualifier I suppose um and say okay well if you want to for example get this logo made um then this is it's from starting from this price point is that something that you suggest people do is have have a um have it on their what website as like a starting point so it's a pre-qualifier for potential leads or is that you just think that you know they should go through that other the sort of sales process um that's a really good question it i there's there's um pros and cons to to both so if you've got starting from and it's quite a low price point then you can almost open the doors to everybody and so you can then have then the opportunity to to speak to people and to qualify and to do that consultative sale almost once they're through the door so once they've once they've said yeah okay this looks good I'm comfortable with that level of pricing the other side of it is when you don't put your pricing it gives you then the opportunity for people to reach out because they really like your work and so one of the things um, I talk about a lot with my clients is that pricing often doesn't come into it if we can sell them enough on the solution and the outcome. Now, don't get me wrong. If your budget's $1,000 and what I'm about to offer you is $10,000, the chances are you're not going to get them to the $10,000 mark. 
However, if the price is, say their budget's a thousand and the price is actually 1500 or 2000, then actually it becomes a lot more achievable when we've qualified. So I'm going to talk about that qualification again. But <laughs> when we've really qualified and we understand what they want, we can then quote once we know we've exactly met their needs. And all too often is that we don't do that and we just give them a price. Whereas if we know what they want, what they need and how we can help them and the outcomes we can deliver, then, then we can quote based on that with no from pricing. But when we've got a from pricing is that it gives people that comfort to reach out to you because if you've got pricing from $499 for a logo and they think, okay, that's doable, I can achieve that. Whereas if you didn't have anything, then sometimes it can be a deterrent to put people off. But it really depends on the types of customers you're getting and also playing around with it. So there's no right or wrong in sales when it comes to, you know, do I put my prices online? Do I hide them? Do I say from or do I put a pre-qualifier where they have to fill out a consultation form to actually get pricing? All of that is entirely up to you, but maybe play around with it. And so if you've currently got pricing on your website and you're getting loads of leads and you want to get less leads, or if you want to get um, that maybe that higher ticket lead, try taking your pricing off and see what happens. And um, just the same as if you're, the, if you're on the other way around and you're not getting that many inquiries, try putting pricing on for your lowest product and see whether that then gets people in because the same thing happens again is that if somebody thinks it's going to be around $500 when actually what they really need is $1,500, you're going to be able to get them there as long as you've qualified right at the beginning. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you. That's, yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think um, one of the main things too to take away from that is making sure that you're actually knowing what problem you're solving for your clients or your customers as well. So um, being really clear on that to be able to move them through um, that sales process, I think is, yeah, so important. And so at what point in a business should sales be a priority? Oh, now I'm going to say from the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And, and, I'm, and I'm going to say that, say that while I'm laughing, but I'm also being serious. But in saying that you can start it anywhere, but, you know, you, it's never too late to to start implementing it in your business. And it depends. I have clients that come to me before they've even launched their business and we build a strategy and we talk about how they're going to go to market and you know what marketing strategies they've got. And we tie that in with sales. So it can be right from the beginning when you've got this business concept, you know you're going to launch, but you want to have everything ready then we can start there. You can also start, you know, three, four, 10 years into your business when you realize that actually I want to scale my business. Um, and fully enough, actually, at the moment, there's a lot of uh, trades businesses that are that, that I'm actually working with and that are reaching out to me because they are hitting that five, six, seven year mark and they're doing extremely well. But they're now at the point where do I scale or do I just cut down the amount of hours that I want to work? And so... Again, that's a really, really good point in a, I guess it's really a crossroads in their business of do I go bigger? And therefore, if I'm going to bring on three more people, I need to know the leads are going to be consistently there to generate the business for these extra people. So there's a couple of different points in businesses where it really makes sense. But once, if you can start your business with an understanding of your sales process and how to qualify, how to pitch, what, what questions to ask during qualification, how to handle objections and how to, how to ask for the sale and close that sale, then you'll be more effective early on in your business rather than feeling like we have to struggle because that's what we're all told we're meant to do in our first year of business. And I think 
you know, it's really interesting having this conversation too, because I think when you start to talk and and learn about something, you start to see it as well. So um, can you give us an example of that? So like, I'm trying to think of like a, a, a business that I've seen on the TV lately, say KFC is not having as many um, sales and they're, you know, going, okay, well, we need to like push this um, or let's go Apple because I feel like that's. They might be pushing their sales when they've got, say, a new product launch or um, they're just not seeing the return. You've learned how to sort of do the process yourself. Do you sort of start to see those those strategies in place when with other businesses and other services? Oh, yeah, I'm really, I can't not look at sales requirements. <laughs> it's built in me. So every time I go anywhere or do anything and there's some form of sales process, even if I go into a retail shop, they're still selling. And I look at how they do it and I'm like, oh, wow, that was either really amazing or absolutely terrible. Um, and so, yeah, I've become really um, very, very aware of that. But what with what you're talking about, if there's a business that's that's pushing those sales, generally we don't really see that so much in that front end because that front end is the is the marketing and so we just see this new product and we might see it more often than we're used to because they're trying to get it across more platforms but really the sales element comes in is that if if we use the apple example is that their marketing is amazing and the way that they build out their products and the you know even that experience like they've thought about how that how slowly that box opens when you've bought a new laptop like that is something that they've actually thought of to build out that that um that experience and that journey but again their their people in the in the shops have to then be trained um, in sales because we've got them to the shop like they're in the shop they know they're going to they're going to spend minimum a thousand dollars because all of their products kind of lead up to that point and so once they're in there how do we get them to spend a thousand dollars or actually how do we get them to buy the top ones how do we get them to pay two thousand dollars and buy the case and buy all of the extras and so that just comes again from finding out like what are they looking to do with that device how are they hoping that that's going to help them whether it's personally whether it's in their study whether it's in their business and you know what will they be storing on there and do they want to replace it after a year do they want to buy more storage or do do they just want to go right now for the biggest one, which will, you know, last them longer and, and whatever that story may be. And um, that's then really where the sales makes a difference is, is once you've brought that person in. And so I think to answer your questions about that, I don't, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's that easy for us to tell on the outside. Um, but I think if we were, if we were looking at the business from a strategy level, that we'll more than likely just see that on the in, internal, um, whether it's internal sales or actually people coming in, but really more so on the back end. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And so how talking about those like those leads and and conversions and that sort of thing. Um so how can businesses understand what is causing lost leads or those lack of conversions um when it comes to sales? So generally I would say similar to what I mentioned before is that um when it comes to if we've lost a lead, we need to go back and look at why we lost that lead. And so I, so for me, my first put of call is let me go back. Let me look at what questions I asked 
and what questions I didn't ask and also getting feedback. So questions is, is, is the first bit because that's something I can just do without, um, look, you know, if I'm looking at my business, that's something I can do without any external help and I don't need to go back and ask the, ask the customer I can actually see. And so sometimes there's a glaringly obvious gap where we've not asked them questions and it could be that we've been really busy. We had other clients, like, did we not follow up? Like what part of that journey did we miss or did we rush through or did we do differently to what we've done before? So that would be like the, the more, looking for those obvious changes you've got another side where you can reach out to customers so if somebody hasn't purchased from you my question would always be back to the customer like could I get some feedback so that I can improve so that I can make sure I can help more people and so if they then said no we don't know why we really want to go back and understand why and sometimes we can't because they've ghosted you <laughs> um, and that's there's nothing worse than that because then you know then you're like okay well they've gone and I don't know why um, and so then think about what was the last point of contact what did you last send them did you promise that you would call them on a certain day did they say they were going to call you did they say they were going away and so really piecing together all of that information but then building out either a survey or a question or just giving them a call to then to ask them you know could I get some feedback on on, on why you didn't end up purchasing the product or service or what did you end up going with because again that will help you learn more about your next sales process when we know what we did wrong or what we could have done better in that in that conversation and I'll give an example of generally where I tend to see um, these mistakes being made with regards to these lost leads is that we said, I either send a quote too early if we're, if we're doing that consultative sale we're not asking the right questions or if they've given us a really clear indication of a problem and we're just trying to sell something that we want to sell. And so if we've got in our heads, we've got this awesome product, this awesome service that we want to sell and we've got this ideal customer sat in front of us, then sometimes the mistake we made is by is we just pitch too hard and we pitch the wrong thing. And so um, it's there's an analogy that I um, that I always used when I was doing sales training is that we throw a bucket of shit against the wall and hope <laughs> that something sticks. And so that's the mistake that all too often we make in sales is that we actually don't know what they want. So therefore, we just throw a bucket of stuff at them and say, you just pick something you know, out of all these things, I'm just going to tell you, you tell me what's important to you, whereas actually want to flip that on its head. So there are a couple of ways that we that we can look and reflect on ourselves, we can ask questions, and then we can make sure that we understand what they want or need and how we can make an impact on them, and then pitch accordingly. Because again, if we pitch the wrong thing, then again, that's going to make your client walk away. I love that so much. And I think like in any, you know, going to the marketing side of things, um, I often tell my clients about, um, you know, your target audience. It doesn't have to be just a guess. Like, you know, you can actually go and do that market research and, and do the research, find out who it is, like who you're selling to, um, who you're trying to sell to and that sort of thing. And even when it comes to creating products, you know, do a beta test or something mm -hmm. like that to actually see that 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 product is solving a problem rather than just chucking a bucket at them <laughs> and hoping something sticks and so I think um yeah I, I love that that advice around actually following up to see what what you could have done better because I think when you're when you're just guessing you're never actually you're never going to know and you're just assuming and as my husband says, assuming makes an ass out of you and me. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I love that. I love that. That's really cool. And, um, and so 
I just want to move now into that. I've absolutely loved this conversation because I think, you know, sales is such an important process to sustainable, to be being a sustainable business. Um, and so I, yeah, so thank you so much for, <laughs> for coming and answering these questions because there's, I know that so many um, of the listeners would get so much from this. And so I want to move now just into our quick fire round, just so I can get to know a little bit more about you, Harriet. Yeah, so sure. um, you did mention it before, but what is your favorite digital marketing platform? Um, I would say LinkedIn followed by Instagram. I'm going to say that. Like, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to throw that out there. But yeah, yeah, LinkedIn is where I've grown businesses, and that really, really works. Also, it's not overutilized like the other platforms are. But I'm starting to love Instagram a little bit more than I was before. <laughs> and so, with LinkedIn, um, who do you think should be on there? What sort of businesses should be um, on LinkedIn? Oh, I, I don't know whether there's any business that shouldn't be on LinkedIn. Um, there's a lot. So you can build business profiles on LinkedIn. So if you are on LinkedIn as a, as a, as a member and that's under your name and you have a business, make sure you go and create a business page because you can start sharing um, the information on both platforms. So on your platform, reshare on your business platform and vice versa. It's also a good um, opportunity for businesses that are searching for you. They'll find your website, they'll find your social media. Um, and then if they can then find you then on LinkedIn, then it just adds that extra level of of um trust um in yeah. in your in your business and, and and in your offering yeah cool awesome I love LinkedIn too I'm a huge fan um and so when you're not working on your business where would I find you oh when I'm not working on my business um usually at the beach um that would be like my number one place to go um yeah love going to the beach take my dog take a coffee have a swim yeah nothing better oh. That yeah. sounds so good. Um, <laughs> and so what is your go-to self-care thing to do? Self-care or oh, reflexology, 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so if you could recommend something for the listeners to read, listen to, or watch, what would it be? Ooh, uh, to read, I would say Essentialism, a book called Essentialism by Ooh. Greg... Greg McCurran, I think the author is, um, brilliant, brilliant book. It was recommended to me and I've recommended it to so many people. And I still now get texts saying, oh my God, I've just finished the book. Thank you so much. So definitely that. Um, and to listen to, um, I've been listening to the Gold Digger podcast, actually. Um, oh, yes. AL Digger. Yeah, that's been quite interesting. She did an interview with, a, with um, I don't know what her surname is, but she's called Lisa. She's a billionaire. She's actually from North London. Um, but she did a really interesting podcast with her about ambition and her and her husband and uh, running a business. But yeah, really interesting, interesting episode. And that's Jenna Kutcher, hey? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool. And finally, where can we, where can people find you and connect with you? Oh, lovely. Yes. Well, love being connected with. So LinkedIn, you can find me. There's your sales co business page on LinkedIn. And then Harriet Meller is my name um, on LinkedIn. And then on social media platforms, it's at your sales co. And that's across Instagram and Facebook. And then your sales is my website. And there's resources, free information. If you want to find out more about working with me or the work that I do, there's more information on the website. Um, but yeah, free resources 
is I give away a lot of stuff for free um, through all my platforms and through the website as well. Amazing. And we'll pop all your links in the show notes as well so everyone can find you. Um, and we'll pop those recommendations in there too. I've just literally googled essentialism it's on my to what to listen to um because i've got to drive seven hours today so oh, <laughs> that'll like keep definitely. me that'll keep me busy it definitely will yes oh, <laughs> um well thank you so much it's been so lovely having you on the podcast and um yeah it's really really been an interesting conversation so thank you so much harriet oh thank you so much for having me it's been great thank you This episode is sponsored by my free challenge, Repurpose One Piece of Content 10 Ways. The live three-day challenge will be held from July 19th to 21st. Do you want to spend less time creating content and still make a connection with your audience? Ever get tired of thinking up new content to post every day? You're so not alone. A recent poll on my Instagram indicated that 87% of Australian rural businesswomen running an online business find it exhausting and overwhelming thinking up new content to post. There are so many different platforms and you want to ensure that you are creating content that is engaging and impactful for your audience. Well, I've got you covered. In this free three day challenge, I will be sharing my repurposing secrets. I'll show you how to pinpoint and create content according to your customer's pain points. I'll give you the formula to create an engaging piece of content and of course, show you how to repurpose that one piece of content in 10 ways. This is a one-time only free three-day challenge starting on July 19th. Plus a bonus for you challenges, complete the daily challenges and you could win a six-month CEO membership to the Rural Compass Society, my virtual co-working membership. The prize is valued at over $1,100. The challenge will be held live in my free private community for ruralpreneurs. I'll be showing up live at 9am for those three days. Head to the-ruralpreneur.mn.co to join or check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Rural Compass podcast hosted by Samantha Murant. If you loved this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, why don't you click on over and leave an honest rating and review, or even take a screenshot and share it to your stories and tag myself at samantha.murant and today's guest. All of their details are in the show notes. Thanks for listening.